Green Left Weekly Radio. There's one newspaper that is independent of powerful capitalist interests, and that is Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, ecological sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas that the mainstream media won't. Green Left is a leading source of local, national and international news with analysis, discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us. Good morning, listeners. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM, brought to you by FreeCR on your dial. Now, um, you're joined today by myself, um, Jacob and Wafa, and we have... Yeah, good morning, Jacob and listeners, and we also have another presenter in the studio today. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Thank you very much. So uh, let's begin with an acknowledgement of country. 3CR is being broadcast from the land of Wurundjeri Woiwurrung, peoples of the Kulin Nation, and we respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners, caretakers, and custodians of this land. This land was stolen, taken by brute force, and sovereignty was never ceded. We join in solidarity with First Nations people's struggle for justice. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. All right. Well, thanks for that, Rob. Um, so we have quite we have quite a good program um, for our listeners today. So just giving you a rundown of what we're going to be covering this week, we're going to be starting. With, we're going to be before we after we go through some important kind of headline news stories um, with a, a particular focus on the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. We're going to be playing um, we're going to be playing two pre-recordings from um, Green Left, um, including a speech by. Um, CFMEU National Secretary Christy Kane, and then of course we also have we also have an interview with Socialist Alliance member Sam Rainwhite, who is a leading member of the newly formed Unionists for Palestine, about a successful December um, um, December community picket at the port of um, Free, um, port of Fremantle. And then at 7:45, we're going to be speaking with Jonathan Strauss, who is a long time refugee rights activist, a member of Socialist Alliance. He's going to talk to us about how we need to oppose Labor's Me Too racist response to the court decision on indefinite detention. And then we'll be speaking to uh, Amanda, who's a disability um, support worker and activist with Socialist Alliance in the South East, to talk about an upcoming rally that's been organised in Daringong next week on Wednesday. Okay, so Chloe, you want to kind of start off with a bit of a headline kind of news story and then I'll go into sort of another one? Yeah, so this is about the um, kayakers yesterday who successfully blockaded the Zim, um, partnered Zim ships for the entire day. Um, so as, as Israel is carrying out an all-out genocide against the Palestinians of Gaza, these group of activists in kayaks with Palestinian flags blocked those Zim ships in Swanson Dock. So three, three ships partnered with Zim were just sitting in the dock and the activists did not allow them to continue their voyage. Their, their path, um, they blocked the path of a tugboat and multiple container ships attempting to depart from the port of Melbourne. And they are doing this because the role of Zim, the Israeli shipping line, 
um, in in the development of the Israeli war machine has been absolutely relentless. It is a major transporter of weapons of mass destruction, sending weapons and materials to the Middle East. So, um, yeah, that that community picket line on the water to block the Zim ships was, you know, it is to end the complicity with the genocidal regime of Israel. And, yeah, I mean, it, this was this was actually like quite a great thing for them to mobilize. You can watch some of the footage uh, at Waka on Instagram. That's the whistleblowers and activists and communities and alliance. So congratulations on that picket. We were all, um, and, you know, for the people who went down there and supported those activists. And also, um, you know, like, I think we were going to mention Victorian Trades Hall, um, Jacob. So the Victorian Trades Hall is calling out trade unions to attend the upcoming Palestinian um, Palestine rally this Sunday, December 10th. I mean, so, so far since the breaking of the blockade in Gaza on October 7th, we've had, what, seven, eight um, mass Palestine rallies organized in the city. And if you're someone who's been attending those rallies, you may have noticed that there has not been a large showing of unionists, you know, union union flags, um, contingents, and it's not necessarily because unionists themselves stand with Israel. It's because of the combination of the parliamentarians and the union bureaucracy that is tied to the Labour Party, a liberal capitalist party, um, based on that trade union bureaucracy. Um, and the Labour Party supports apartheid, supports the apartheid state, Israel. So this Sunday, hopefully, uh, we are going to see unionists come out in in numbers. Um, the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union, the CFMEU, um, National Secretary Christy Kane, did call on the Aust- Australian Council of Trade Unions to organise trade unions for a permanent ceasefire and an end to the blockade on Gaza in his address to the December third that you'll mass get rally. that you'll definitely get um, that you'll get to hear with um, here or yes. once we um, when we finish discussing news I want to just make a few comments actually so yeah it, I think Chloe you are completely right you know trade unions have been completely missing in action um, when it comes to what we what has actually been one of the biggest mass movements mm. in even even Australia's kind of history because I think. Activists I know who were around, you know, during the Vietnam War days or even the Iraq War, both, both those sort of moments or b- b- before my time, um, they, we hadn't actually seen such, um, weak, um, large weekly demonstrations. And I think the message has to be kind of put out there because I think for people who are kind of marching kind of every week, um, there might be kind of a sense of feeling that, well, our, are our actions actually having impact? And I think it's very important to realise that it actually it is. In fact, even Netanyahu himself, in a recent kind of comment that was kind of reported in the news recently, uh, he has expressed a particular concern um, about the large international kind of protests. And I think it's it's indicated that Israel is, in a sense, feeling um, political pressure from these sure. large demonstrations. And in fact, really, we have to also look back at history that when it comes to you know, when it comes to stopping things like uh, like apartheid in South Africa, it was mass protest movements that stopped it internationally and global solidarity. And of course, that all that that was work that had to take you know that t- took years to kind of build. But he, but in the context of where um, where the Palestine movement is at, the fact that we've had these such large sustained protests is actually a credit to 
or the Palestine solidarity activists who have consistently um, stood up for Palestine um, going for the past, you know, past 75 years. And I think, you know, they, and I think, you know, our protests are very much having an impact on exposing the inadequacies, well, actually exposing really where these liberal democratic countries actually stand on issues of human rights and that they don't actually serve the interests of, of ordinary working people. Yeah. Well, I'd like to uh, come in there because the uh, demonstrations for Palestine over the last, I think it's seven weeks, have been extremely inspiring. Mm. Three weeks ago, because I'm a bit of a crowd counter, it was about 100,000 people, although, mind you, the age in the coppers said you know, it was like 10,000. Believe me, I know it was a lot more because I know how to count. <laughs> but um, they're very inspiring also because they're quite militant, um, they haven't, you know, they, we, we sit on, on the corner of Flinders and Swanston Street and block the traffic and, and I think that's really great because the sense of power that we feel collectively when we do stuff like that is really, really good. Um, and just all over the world, I've been reading as, as much as I possibly can about protests around the world. They're very large, as, even in the United States. The last place you would expect, but I did read uh, an article in Green Left written by one of our comrades in, in the US, uh, and he detailed all the different demonstrations, sometimes in you know, New York or San Francisco, sometimes in smaller cities like Cincinnati, Ohio. Very, very inspiring, and so it completely goes against the stereotype. Um, and then just to finish off on this point, um, we don't really see the Zionists. They don't mm. turn up. I mean, I, I, I quite like them to turn up and put their position. They're, they're really in the minority, um, a really tiny minority. The only people who really support the Zionists are, you know, the small number of actual Zionists and the ruling class, big business. That's it. And Joe Biden. But in terms of like grassroots, I, I think it would, uh, I, th I saw a poll that actually said a small majority of Jews are against Israel on this question. Yeah, and it's never too late to join the protest movement. Here in Nam, Melbourne, every Sunday, 12 p.m., we meet at the State Library. We shut down the whole Swanson Street and, is it called, um, Flinders, Flinders Street, I think. That's well, the one. We and, you know, come, you know, come join us. We'll march together for a free Palestine. Yeah, and I think one last thing to kind of note is, um, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to these protests, you know, what I kind of notice in doing the kind of campaigning stores outside the protests is there's clearly a lot of political support from, you know, passerby and people who are passing by who, uh, who support Palestine. And of course, when you're at a protest, you know, you, you essentially could be representing hundreds of people yeah. who might not have been able to make it for whatever reason. I mean, because you have to take an account. You know, capital, we live under capitalism. People have all sorts of commitments and like work, etc., um, that get in the way. And also people also might not be sufficiently politicized to feel that, oh, I, can, I want to go to a protest yet. But of course, people get a sense of power when these protests get larger and larger and they get it brings more confidence of more thousands of others to, to come out on the streets. So yeah. So the next thing I just want to kind of um, bring up is, um, in a sign of, of, of the impact that this movement is having, um, the Maribyrn Council um, passed a pro-Palestine motion an, a number of weeks ago, but there was actually an attempt by, I think it was the Labor Party, a Labor Party councillor, yeah. don't know the specific name, uh, attempted to put a rescind, 
to rescind the motion, basically reversing the fact that the Maribyrn Council has um, was basically going to um, reversing um, Maribyrn Council's voted position on supporting Palestine. Now, what is um, what is quite exciting is uh, that rescission motion has been um, has been put off, so they've they've withdrawn it. So. Basically, on the next council meeting at Maribyrn, they won't, um, there won't be any attempt to reverse a decision made by the local, um, local Maribyrn council. And I think this is just a sort of sign that, um, you know, of the impact of the movement. And of course, yeah, the Labour Party is probably making all sorts of calculations on the political costs that they will own. And they've possibly calculated that the political cost of trying to reverse this is possibly, is possibly too high. So I think that's just a, indication of you know the impact that this kind of movement is having yeah and the motion to rescind maribyrnong's anti-war stance will be talked about and debated at the next council meeting on the 12th of december uh, victorian socialists are organizing a community rally outside the meeting to send a clear message in support of the original motion for peace and against israel's ongoing genocide in gaza and the rally details we should have it up on the green left calendar on the green left website um, but it's um yeah on the t- tuesday the 21st of november um, oh, sorry, sorry, no. It's the rally outside Maribyrnong Council meeting is Tuesday the 12th of December at 6pm at Braybrook Community Hub, uh, 107 to 139 Church Hill Avenue in Braybrook. Oh, yeah, but um, just a correction. It, the, the point of what my report said, it won't be debated at the council oh. anymore. That's what I meant. It's not going to be debated anymore. Oh, um, they sorry, will, sorry. There'll okay. hopefully still be a rally, I think, um, that was planned um, in um just, be, just because I think it would be a good excuse for a community mobilisation. So that is the rally that I just mentioned. Yeah, I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it has been cancelled or not. Oh. Uh, so it's one unclear. But I think it. I well, hope. It, I hope it's still. Then. I hope it's still going on because I think it's still a good excuse to to mm. mobilise people around Palestine. All right. Well, I might just go play a quick few announcements. Um, you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. The people of Gaza who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. And um, we're going to be playing a recording of a speech from last weekend. I mean, following the fact that the Victorian Trades Hall is now getting behind the upcoming Sunday um, Palestine protests. At this stage, I, ha- I, haven't, I, I'm not sh- I haven't heard if um, other Shreds Hall councils in other states, like New South Wales, um, have made the same call. 
But anyway, this is a speech from uh, CFMU National Secretary Christy Kane, um, who called on the Australian Trade um, Council of Trade Unions to organise trade unions for a permanent ceasefire and an end to a blockade in, on Gaza. And yeah, he addressed this as part of the mass rally um, in Nam, Melbourne last Sunday. But yeah, hope listeners enjoy. And I don't say that lightly, because our union, along with other unions, have a proud history. A proud history going right back. And if you want to know a little bit of that history, our Aboriginal brothers and sisters have only been here 65,000 years and are still not being equally treated. And we stand with them, beside them, not in front of them, not behind them, but with them till they get justice. And I've heard the previous speakers talk about peace. This isn't just a rally for Palestinian people. This is a rally around the world to say we've had enough. We need to see Palestine free. We need to see them free. I want you all just to start by turning to the left and shaking hands with the person on your left and say thanks very much for coming down here. But also, I'm going to be bringing another five or ten people with me to the next rally. So turn around and say you're going to be here alongside us together. Brothers and sisters, you won't be wondering if you die what side of the fence I'll be saying I am on and my union is on. We have a proud history of standing up right through some horrific crimes, horrific crimes. Timor Leste for independence. Independence for Timor workers, we were there alongside them. The horrible war in Vietnam, where we refused to load arms to go and kill people, we were beside them to refuse to do that. And let me tell you, for the apartheid that happened in South Africa, Nelson Mandela himself recognised the Siemens Union of Australia for the stance they took on apartheid and we'll never forget that. We call as trade unionists all of us here today we call for an end an indefinite an indefinite ceasefire we call for an end in Gaza to stop the bombing to stop the killing of innocent civilians. And we stand with every Palestinian in conjunction with them till that happens. We will be there alongside you. There has been thousands of men, women and children being massacred and slaughtered as I speak here today. I will call it out. I make no apologies, but only to say that is genocide and that is apartheid in the business. We will call it out. 
we talk, we want fuel to get through. We want electricity and fresh water. We want food to get through to the Palestinians left in Gaza. We have seen bombings of their homes. And when they went back on the ceasefire, they were going back to thousands of dead bodies and limbs and children being massacred. That has to stop. That has to stop. So in this country, and we're one of several, we have to march together. We have to stand together. We have to protest together to make sure our voices are heard. And so I say to everyone here, it isn't about Palestine anymore. Let's get our Greek communities out there. Let's get our Italian communities out there. Let's get our Irish communities out there. And let's say, let's say together, we will not and we will never end marching and protesting for peace across the world. That is union business. I want to call out some people because I don't believe the union movement has done enough. I want to call out the leaders of the ACTU, which I'm an executive of. I want to tell them this, that we want you to organise, organise and organise again a union rally. One that brings them together. One that brings them together. So Sally McManus, Sally McManus, understand Sally, we need you. We need you at these rallies. We need you calling for peace. We need you to mobilise the masses around Australia and our connections around the world. We need you there. I want to finish, I want to finish by saying a couple of things. Mr Albanese, get off your knees and stand up. I am sick of the excuses. We are seeing women, children, men, babies being slaughtered, Mr. Albanese. Okay, you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM, and you're just listening to CFMEU Natural Secretary Christy Kane. Um, speak, who spoke at the last um, NAM Melbourne mass rally for Palestine. Now, I think um, just to make a, a few comments quickly, and I think Rob had some comments he wanted to make. I mean, yeah. I think it's very good that uh, Christy Kane has called out the union leadership for not mm. for doing kind of so little. And um, I think, you know, <laughs> it's clear that, you know, in relation to what we sort of announced just um, just at the beginning of the program, it's clearly sort of had a bit of pressure because the fact that the Victorian Trades Hall has now come out with you know, in full support of promoting the upcoming uh, Palestine demonstration, I think is uh, I think a very kind of positive sign. Um, but of course, I still think that even beyond that, unions probably should be doing more because it. Because I guess my just my observation is 
even when Vic- Victorian Trades Hall's sign of support can sometimes just be sending out a mass a, a, a mass email, a, ma- a mass text, etc. Now that's all good, but I also think you know they need to be actually doing they need to be doing more work in the workplaces themselves to actually build the case for workers to be coming to these rallies as well. Okay, well, yeah, on union involvement, this gives me a great hope. The working class, the organised working class via unions is really our only hope um, but um, they have so much power in terms of being able to shut down industry in terms of being able to really stop business as usual but they um, although I think that they are the crucial class in the, in this situation the fact that um, the unions are involved together with the general community just generally progressive left people even 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 small businesses you know who don't have anything much to gain from the capitalist system and from the ruling class the fact that there can be this general community combination with the union movement that is organised is is really the way that we can win. Uh, Just a few other observations. Um, How easy is it these days to start up a conversation just on a tram or in the street or in a bar or a cafe? Uh, um, And I, I, I get to do it. Um, sometimes because I wear the Palestinian scarf uh, and uh, Arab people in particular know what it is. But a lot of people don't know what the Palestinian scarf is or means. But I wear a T-shirt that says Israel out of Palestine. Well, people can read. And the number of times that I've had people just come up to me yeah. um, and just say, yes, I totally support this. It's, it's really amazing. I was um, coming back from my teaching yesterday and I was just walking up High Street Northcote takes about 15 minutes and I had about five people stop me and say I agree with that, I agree with Israel out of Palestine Uh, final point Um, a well known broadcaster of a very right wing nature who has just recently retired um, often goes on and on and on about children so called children, Mm. he thinks teenagers are children uh, being manipulated uh, by by all these terrible left-wing people. Let me tell you, as a teacher of so-called children for 39 years, they know what they think. I had primary school students of mine comment on political situations, and, and they're very intelligent, they're very smart, and they damn well can think for themselves. Uh, I'm really glad that this particular broadcast uh, broadcaster has retired. Yeah, definitely, um, Rob. I mean, there are so many children as young as five yep. that I've seen, you know, shouting sl- um, slogans and um, holding up banners that say, always was, always will be Aboriginal land, free, free Palestine. So, you know, they are linking um, those two issues. And, yeah, wearing the kufiya, uh, the Palestinian scarf does really, you know, I, I'm constantly wearing it, and you do get lots of people nodding, um, that, that sort of solidarity fist going up when you walk past people in the streets. So, yeah, if you do have – it is very hard to get, get one now because the factories in Palestine are being bombed. Um, but, you know, if you do have one, please – Please keep wearing it. All right. Well, just, th- uh, just one very quick thing on children. Yeah. Have you noticed over the last few weeks who leads the chants? Yeah. I mean, it's it's. it's I think children. it's a five-year-old. Very powerful. And, yeah. and it, um, he's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, I was just going to go play, before we play our, our first kind of pre-recording, I was just going to play a quick song to break things up. So I'm going to play um, a song by JK47, um, which is basically going to be playing um, playing his opening track, which is um, titled... Uh, introspect. Introspect. Um, so this goes on for one minute, and um, I'll just play this um, now. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. They never showed no belief. We had to grow from a seed, but the flow be unique like four leaves on the clover. So I couldn't be what they told me to be. Know who I be. Know what I'm standing for. This one got planned, so I'm playing on my feet. When I compete, know it's just me against all of these demons that try to keep me weak. Guess that's the reason I ride to be free. Of all the weight that's been put up on me. Enough to make you feel like you underwater. Type of shit to make you struggle to breathe. Hoping that war with my emotions. Hoping that one day I'll find me some peace. But just when I'm thinking it's within my reach. Copy gets ripped out from under my feet. Seen too many victims because of this system, the mental's in prison, I'm giving them keys, feeling like this ain't my God-given purpose, don't know for certain, how this keep working until I can see, a better future for all of my youth, I keep sowing them seeds, so we don't talk what we do not believe, we turn the thoughts into reality. You're listen you're back listening to Green Left Radio on three C R and you were just listening to Introspect and what was the artist again, Rob? No, so the artist JK forty seven, the album Revision for Regrowth, um, and it's um award winning Bundjalung rapper JK47 who released his sophomore album on November 3 and on the opening track he raps seeing too many victims because of the system their mentals imprisoned I'm given keys 10 days later the family of yet another Aboriginal person died in police custody Wayne Ugal said he had been begging for his medication before he died anyway uh, we got that from Matt Ward's monthly column in Green Left looking for 2023's best protest music, and, and he cites 10 albums. All right, so we're just going to go straight into playing a pre-recording, which will go on for the next 15 minutes, and then we'll go straight into, well, then we'll go straight into our first live interview with Jonathan Strauss. Um, so this is the interview with, um, where Green Left's Alex Bainbridge spoke with Social Science member Sam Wright um, about the successful December 2nd community picket on at the Port of Fremantle. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. Yes, look, we had a, uh, a community picket down at North Quay in Fremantle uh, in attempt to delay the loading and unloading of a Zimline vessel uh, this weekend just gone. So essentially the the Port Authority and Zimline and the police were obviously aware of the attempts to delay Zim in, in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, the 
the published time, arrival time of the vessel, um, was changed on numerous occasions and, and we suspect the times given were basically inaccurate. So, I mean, that just poses its own questions about a state-owned, um, instrumentality, um, playing around with these things. Uh, but anyway, uh, in any case, it actually worked to our advantage. So on at least two occasions, we believe the vessel was delayed. Um, and then the community, but it had to come in eventually. And then the community picket, uh, mobilized on the Saturday, uh, for the change of shift at three o'clock and for the change of shift at 11 o'clock in the evening. Uh, so our calculation was essentially that if, uh, if we could prevent or convince the workers not to, not to go to work, uh, then, uh, you know, no, no work could happen for the subsequent eight hours. So essentially there were community pickets for those critical windows, uh, around, um, 2.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon and 10.30 to around 11.30 in the evening. Uh, and the really positive news is that um, all but a handful of workers did, did not go to work. So essentially those workers re- uh, respected our community picket line or at the very least recognised that it was, you know, was not their job to put themselves in harm way and try and bu- bust their way through and all that sort of thing. And because of that, the police in turn um, didn't have the same, you know, basis to... To, um, to pull us aside, you know. There was no one to escort through the community picket line. I mean, they could still have moved against us, but in the end, they didn't. So we're pretty confident that that vessel, uh, the loading and unloading of that vessel, was delayed for at least 24 hours, uh, which would have cost Zim uh, quite a lot, actually. Sure. Well, look, in the first instance, it's an Israeli company, and... Um, all the Israeli businesses um, need to be targeted as part of the boycott divestment sanctions campaign, um, which is is an international campaign called for by Palestinian civil society in an attempt to put pressure on Israel in the first instance, just to respect international law and stop killing and ethnically cleansing Palestinians. And then, of course, in the longer term, to actually push for a peace based on justice um, in all of historic Palestine, Israel. So Zim is, as I said, is an Israeli shipping line, but furthermore, uh, it's, it's a particularly potent, um, symbol as well because the CEO of Zim line has openly said, uh, that his company will be mobilizing its assets to support the Israeli uh, war effort. Um, so anyone, if anyone just thinks, oh, well, this is just some little shipping company just innocently transporting containers from, you know, Fremantle to Singapore or something like that, um, it may be doing that, but it's doing a lot more. Uh, and so from the point of view of the BDS campaign, it was entirely appropriate to, to, to target Zim, uh, and we'll be doing it again. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what, what discussions the, the union leadership has had, had with the membership, but I'm sure, um, the, the Maritime Union has done more than most unions to educate its members about the realities of the, the horrific violence that's happening uh, in Gaza and to the Palestinians more generally and the historical context. Um, and so, and, and I'm sure that's helped, you know, helped, uh, convince workers that they, that they shouldn't take it upon themselves to sort of push out, push, push us out of the way. That would have been the worst case scenario from our point of view. You know, workers just saying, look, you know, I've got the right to, you know, um, go to work and, and try to drive over the top of us, you know, um, and put us in themselves in, in, in harm's way and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, it was quite the opposite. And just as an aside, there was a Channel, New- Channel 9 news reportage of, of our community picket led off with a claim that uh, protesters and port workers had come to blows. 
Good evening. Port workers and protesters have come to blows in Fremantle during a dockside demonstration. Um, which was just an outright lie. I mean, there was, in fact, there was very little interaction, uh, almost no interaction between the community picket and, and, and Wharfies because they weren't, you know, the Wharfies didn't try to cross our picket line. They kept, they, they stayed away. Simple as that. So they, they weren't even heated words, let alone come to blows. So it was a, the classic case of, um, of basically capitalist media just writing the headline before that, before the event had even happened. But more recently, you know, Christy Kane, who was a former WA uh, Maritime Union Secretary and now National Secretary uh, of the CFMU, uh, spoke, as some uh, as some people will be aware, at the Melbourne rally, uh, very vehemently and very for- forcefully. I want to call out some people because I don't believe the union movement has done enough. I want to call out the leaders of the ACTU, which I'm an executive of. I want to tell them this that we want you to organise, organise and organise again a union rally, one that brings them together, one that brings them together. From Sally McManus, Sally McManus, do you understand Sally? We need you, we need you at these rallies, we need you calling for peace. Mr Albanese, get off your knees, and stand up. Demanding both that the union movement as a whole um, speak out on this issue and support uh, in, in an immediate um, ceasefire um, and, and do more and more than that. Uh, and, but similarly also um, put the same pressure or the same call on Anthony Albanese. Um, in fact, people at Melbourne will know he called on Albanese to get off his knees um, and oppose genocide. So that's, um, I think that's very potent, you know, not just for the union, not, not, not just for the maritime union and the CFMEU, uh, for the members of that union, but in terms of the union, uh, union, uh, union movement as a whole. I mean, you know, to, to, to put pressure on Albanese to do the right thing, this movement is going to need to spread, uh, through, you know, wide sectors of the society, uh, including in the union movement. Um, so it was a fan- fantastic, uh, it was fantastic that, that Christy Kane spoke at the Northern Rally, no question about it. Yeah, look, sure. Unions for Palestine's only just been formed in the last two weeks, really. Um, and I, I suppose it's an expression of the fact that there's a lot of people who want to, who've been to the big rallies for, for Palestine, um, and, and want to continue to turn up to those rallies. I mean, there's, uh, it's probably the same in most cities. We've had a, um, we've had a, a mass protest in the centre of Perth, uh, every weekend for six, seven weeks in a row. Um, but people want to do more than just that, you know, and find other ways, um, to push, to push the campaign into broader layers of Australian society. And so, you know, Unions for Palestine um, was, you know, was, has been initiated, I think, in Melbourne first, but a WA group has, has, has been set up and it's drawn in unionists from, you know, from a whole range of different unions, overwhelmingly just rank and file members. Um, in some cases, they're, they're in unions like the uh, Maritime Union, which is, you know, doing more than most unions. And in other cases, they're unions that aren't, that aren't doing very much. But they're unionists who are united by the, the view that this, this, this struggle, this cause, this story has to be taken into the union movement with or without the leadership. You know, um, we have to shift Australian workers and their unions on this question and we're not waiting for anybody. Um, and if union leaders that, that the, the more union leaders that, 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 that help that, the better. Um, the ones that don't, well, we'll have to drag them along. So it basically started off with uh, an action last Thursday outside the office of Patrick Gorman, who's the federal member, uh, for, for Perth. Uh, so Labor federal member. Uh, and so that was, that was, um, 
like a speak out style protest, uh, outside Patrick Gorman's office, um, involving probably about 40, 50, uh, rank and file unionists calling on Gorman to actually, um, and all of the, all of the Labour Party, uh, members of federal parliament to, to put pressure on Albanese to, to do the right thing and just call for a ceasefire. That's the bare minimum we could ask of a government that, that is sincere about human rights. And then, but right from the outset, um, we, you know, we were aware of the Zim, uh, the Zim ship, uh, company would be coming to Fremantle, that Fremantle is on, is on the, um, you know, is, is on the circuit that Zim does. And so started planning, planning for the, for the, for the community picket that we carried out. So it's, um, yeah, the, the group's been growing. There's probably, you know, 20 plus people attending the meetings. The, um, there's an emergency SMS list for, you know, BDS actions exactly like this. And that's, that's, that's already pushing into the hundreds. Uh, so it's a very good platform for, for future action. And it's a good sort of, um, you know, he- healthy interrelationship between Unions for Palestine and the, and the, um, and the other Palestine solidarity organizations, um, in, in Bulu, Perth, notably Friends of Palestine WA and the wider Palestinian community. Look, yes, we don't know exactly why the police didn't move heavily against us. We were entirely prepared for that possibility. Um, I think probably they were caught a little bit off guard on the first picket. I didn't, they probably didn't expect our numbers. Um, I think even us as the organisers were a bit shocked by the numbers. It really demonstrated the fact that there are people who, who want to do something, um, uh, and, and, and want to feel like they're making a difference. Uh, there was a much bigger police presence at the 11 p.m. uh, community picket. They had a big bus size paddy wagon, uh, ready to deploy. Um, and we were a bit worried that under the cover of darkness and with the absence of um, you know, mainstream, you know, TV crews that they might get a bit more, bit, bit, bit rougher with us. Um, but they didn't. Now, I don't know exactly why. I think there's probably two reasons. In the first instance, uh, there were no, there were no workers to escort through the picket line, you know. Um, so, you know, obviously if there'd been, you know, a queue of 30, 40 workers trying to get in, um, that would put massive political pressure on the police. Uh, you know, from the government, from the Port Authority, from Patrick Stevedores, from Zim, from the shipping agents, uh, from the trucking companies to get us out of the way so normal business could proceed. Um, but maybe the police were just a bit pragmatic and realised that they could clear us out of the way. But you know, the, the horse had already, you know, the, the horse had already bolted. You know, um, there was there was no, there was going to be no shift at work anyway. Uh, secondly, I think perhaps they. It was interesting. Uh, there were two main entrances that we picketed, and and the, but the police were actually further down the road, closer to the actual the gates uh, where the workforce enters to go to work. And the police were much more concerned about stopping us from heading down there. It's possible that the police put two and two together and got five, and and thought that we were actually going to try and storm the wharf itself and try to physically prevent the ship from tying up or clamber on the ship or something like that. I mean that's an action you'd you'd, you'd be much more um, but much more careful about because it would attract much more serious charges for for the protesters. Um, it wasn't our intention. We our our intention was to delay loading and unloading of the ship, um, which what we did. Uh, and of course the, the the police by blocking off the um, the last leg of the access road you know, into the actual car park where the, the where the workers go themselves. Ironically, the police kind of did did our job for us, you know. By and then. Uh, we were further out on the right, further out towards the um, the turn off, the main road where Parsec traffic was. So it actually, ironically, the police actually did our job for us and it allowed us to be closer on, to the main road and get get the publicity from passing traffic as well. So, um, it's you know, but we're not naive. It's not always going to be that easy. Um, you know, building a serious um, sanctions 
you know, support for, for boycott divestment sanctions, just like in the 1980s against apartheid South Africa, is going to involve plenty more twists and turns. We don't expect um, the police to be so um, hands off um, in future, but that's that's just you know we're we're ready for that, we're prepared for that, and that's just the nature of the campaign we're trying to build. Look, I think you know one thing that the success of this particular action shows is that we 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 need to build numbers. You know, our, our, our campaign to be successful needs to be a mass campaign. One, so you can, um, carry out significant meaningful disruption. Um, you know, it's, you know, we might have been able to block access if just a small handful of activists had, you know, locked themselves to the front gates or something like that. Um, and, you know, that, that could have still generated good publicity for, for, for the campaign. Um, but of course it's far more powerful when, when hundreds of people are involved in doing it. Um, because both because they have the experience and also because the more of us there are, the less practical, politically and practically feasible it is for the police to, to arrest people. Um, so, you know, to, to, to delay that vessel for 24 hours and have no, no arrest is a fantastic outcome. It also shows just how valuable it is to, to win over support or at least sympathy or some understanding from workers at the enterprises where we're trying to conduct these BDS. Uh, actions, you know, the more, the, you know, as I said before, it would have been, it would, would have been entirely the wrong headlines and the wrong TV imagery, um, and, and the wrong experience if, if we'd had workers trying to barge through us and say, you know, you know, get, get out, get, get out of the, out of the way, you wrap bags, we want to go to work, you know, um, so it's, but you know, we should draw strength from the fact that over 60% of the Australian population thinks Israel has gone too far, you know, um, of course, we still need to build on that. We need to we need to increase that percentage and also deepen the understanding, so people realise that this isn't isn't just Israel going a bit too far, um, but that it comes in the context of an eighty-year-long war on the Palestinians, uh, and that Australia needs to be on the right side of the history. Whereas right now, of course, Australia is on the wrong side of history. So not only is Australia supporting uh, Israel diplomatically, um, but it's also supporting the Israeli military via intelligence feeds from from the North Gap uh, uh, Pine Gap uh, spy base. And finally, because of arms exports. So, you know, arms exports from Australia are quite opaque, but um, recent digging has revealed the fact that around 350 arms exports to Israel have been approved um, in the last five years and over 50 of them just in the last year. So Australia is up to its eyeballs in, in this war and it's, up, it's going to be up to us through a real live BDS campaign that we put pressure on the Australian government to shut it down. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM, and you're just listening to Sam Rainwright. Um, this was a recorded interview that was um, done on Green Left about the successful December 2nd community picket at the Port of Fremantle. Sorry, we just got to quickly play a quick announcement. Um, so we're joined today by Jonathan Strauss. Um, Jonathan is a longtime refugee rights activist and a member of the Socialist Alliance. Now, we're, we have Jonathan on the line to actually talk about uh, a bit about this response to a court decision that was recently made on indefinite detention. And in fact, this has been a, there's been a bit of a push from the Liberal Party and the Dut- and the Dutton government around racism. And of course, du- um, Jonathan has recently wrote an article on opposing Labor's Me Too response to court um, to this court decision on indefinite detention. Um, so yeah, good morning, Jonathan. Hi, how are you? 
Um, so I guess the first question to kind of start off um, with Jonathan, especially for giving a bit of our, our listeners a bit of a background, um, there was a High Court decision on November 8th. It ruled that indefinite detention is unlawful. You know, what can you tell us about the implications of this decision for refugee rights? Oh, look, I guess the basics of it is that it does extend that really basic uh, liberal democratic right that you can't be detained without reason, you can't be detained without end um, to to uh, non-citizens. On that note, of course, I would say one basic thing that only applies in Australia, and of course Australia is infamous for its offshore detention scheme, which is precisely designed to get around the um, Australian legal system. So that we should always remember that when we're discussing this. It doesn't apply to the people who are taken offshore by the Australian government and placed sort of operating extraterritorially in that sense. It's not just that question of a sort of right in the abstract. I mean, prison is very harmful. Detention is very harmful. Um, He actually had, in 2020, the um, former Attorney General uh, Department figure had actually done this report for immigration saying that, in fact, this was criminalising the um, immigration detainees to see them in, in prison for so long, and we're talking, uh, sorry, in the immigration detention for so long, we're talking up to 13 years in one case. Um, some have never actually been convicted of anything among the group of who have now been uh, uh, released from immigration detention. Others that have been fined, and yes, some had served prison sentences and they um, had completed their prison sentences. Normally, if you're a, not, if you're a Australian citizen, all that happens is you go back into the community, you most, you know, you do attempt to live out your life um, after that. I think one of the things that's very unsurprising is the reports of five have been re-detained. Decriminalisation, basically, the reality of that is that, you know, is recidiv- you know, that what's called recidivism, people re- um, uh, committing offences again, is very common. And that's because that's the impact of actually running that, the, the criminal justice system as, as is done today. And there's no doubt, too, I think, that, in fact, as well, um, I think we need to discuss the, the new laws that have introduced, but also the politics behind that. But there's no doubt, I think, that in fact, the 140 or so who who are now out of immigration detention, 20 actually are out before this decision. This is one of the things that's actually being hidden. 21 people actually were in community detention, but not in the immigration detention centres before this decision. But um, they're under surveillance. Clearly, and the police are following them up. They're also following up past the arrest warrants and elsewhere, and so on. That, that this is very normal situation in practice. Yeah. So I want to kind of jump into the next kind of important question, and I think one of the most kind of outrageous things that has um, that has kind of painted this kind of um, this decision by the High Court, which I think, you know, to be frank, I actually think this is actually a step forward in terms of refugee rights. I think that you know refugees who have experienced indefinite detention have argued continuously that it constitutes, I guess, a form of torture. And, of course, on this, on the other sort of issues of, of um, law and order and, um, and the justice system, I think that the political response of um, from both... Actually, while the Liberal Party has been worse, the Labor Party have not been that much better. And I guess what can you tell us about the political response of both major parties to this High Court decision? And what are the, and can you tell us about some of the new laws that the Labor Party has put forward in response to the Liberal Party? 
I, I even taken this order, and, that order. And the thing is to always start from recognising that that the people who were detained, as I said, for up to 13 years, are also community members, and their rights should be recognised, and their safety should be recognised, which it wasn't being under the existing regime. Any response to that has to be proportionate to and take account of those rights, which, of course, is they're the ones being most immediately and heavily impacted by this the detention regime that's been in place. Look, you know, what was extraordinary is, you know, Dutton almost... I mean, he played, he played his normal role. He's, he's an ex-cop. Uh, he's, in, he's in a position because that's, that's sort of who he is. Um, and it's sort of the kind of person they want leading the, the Liberals at this point. I mean, you know, we draw your political conclusions from that, if you will. But, you know, he was, of course, saying regardless of any, any, any legal or other um, humanitarian or human rights concern, lock them all up again. But, of course... What we did see was a Me Too response. And Catherine King said that she would all... Sorry, not Catherine King. Um, Claire O'Neill. Sorry, Claire O'Neill, who's the Home Affairs Minister. Uh, she was saying again to um, to just... She would also like to see them all um, in detention again. And, in, and while, in fact, the Labor Party was unable to do that, they did basically do whatever they could. They... Way went to Dutton and said, what amendments would you like to make? And Dutton basically asked for whatever he thought he could get away with. And so we actually saw two tranches of, of laws which basically have re-punished those who've been released. And remember I said that some of them have never actually been convicted of anything. Some are simply held for purportedly being a bad character, according to a ministerial decision. Others certainly do have past criminal offences, and there's no doubt about that. Um... The, there was firstly the visa law. Visa laws were used to impose reporting requirements, electronic monitoring, curfews, uh, movement and contact restrictions well beyond the norms for people who would have been released from prison. So, you know, very, even though some, as I said, some of these people never convicted an offence, this is an administrative, it was an administrative detention. Um, uh, and, in, and also importantly, this breaches were criminalised with a minimum sentence of one year and up to five years. And then just this last week, we saw the second thing, which was these preventative detention laws, which um, which they, they, they had to wait to see what the High Court said because obviously the High Court's decision is specifically related to the question of detention. Uh, the High Court actually... More, I, uh, look, the High Court, to my reading, sort of said... The laws that would apply to other people apply to these people as well. And then, of course, there are some restrictive law, laws related to um, those who've been convicted of crimes such as paedophilia. But, you know, and, and perhaps in certain instances, there are instances where it's reasonable to consider that someone perhaps might actually re-offend. So, you know, and, and it, that, that's an issue. But really, in fact, these laws have gone beyond that and they're very targeted against a group of people who've been subject already to a double punishment. First, any normal criminal um, punishment, and then secondly, indefinite detention under the immigration regime. As I said, even if you haven't been convicted, simply viewed to be a bad character by the, the, um, the minister um, and the, the government. Yeah, you want to go and... Well, um, hello, Jonathan. Uh, I've um, admired your work uh, over a very long time. I'm, I'm Rob. We've never met in person. Um, Look, the, such a difficult issue 
in Australia, it's so hard to get support for refugees. Other things like same-sex marriage and uh, uh, even indigenous rights, you know, are a lot easier to get. But um, refugees, it's so hard to convince a lot of people. Uh, I just wanted to say, though, um, on refugees, um, the Liberal Party and the Labor Party are just Tweedledee and Tweedledum, have been for decades and decades. Uh, why they are in lockstep over this, well, is another thing to be discussed at a later time. Um, but there's something to be said, because you've been uh, mentioning, Jonathan, about the legal challenges in the High Court. There's something to be said for them, because if, if we do get a good result, it does provide encouragement, definitely does. But um, in the end, the only thing that can really improve the lot of refugees is, uh, well, two things really, a mass protest in support, which, like I said before, is not easy to get. Uh, and then, of course, there's the resistance of the refugees themselves. In detention, they sometimes really do hit back, and, and that's extremely inspiring. Yeah, I'm, that's, I think those comments are quite insightful. I do think... Um, we can really look at the question of how white Australia uh, is such an integral part of the formation of the Australian state and how it operates. I mean, Bruce Bachani sort of discussed this uh, as well as, as, and how it relates to re the sort of refugee, anti-refugee regime of um, one successive Australian governments as, as one, um, one set of responses... Oh, sorry... As, um, as the modern form of white Australia, um, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's absolutely no doubt, and it does actually, can actually potentially improve people's lives. We should use the legal system where we can, but we also, I would say, um, socialists especially, we would want to understand how this works out politically. And you can sort of see, you know, you have a, a, a legal win, and then politically they, they bite back. Uh, and to some extent, the legal system, Fundamentally and ultimately, the legal system is, is going to be subject to uh, the way politics is playing out and who holds power. Um, at the moment, we have a situation where everyone is being attempted to be painted as criminals. And refugees are being painted as criminals. And that, of course, started starts with the um, discussion of people as being so-called illegals, whereas it actually is absolutely a right to come to Australia and to claim asylum. Um, this is so much about the question of really changing, you know, in, in pop, putting this, as, uh, if you like, the story. If you like, the story that is told about refugees in Australia, that's one way, I guess, to think about it. And the alternative, which is to build a movement to change how, in particular about that, and probably, to be honest, more generally in this country. And as you say, said, I think that, we, you know, the sub-clause of that is, and the importance of seeing the refugees and the importance of refugees themselves is being involved in that and working alongside them. I think there's probably some um, there's some stuff to deal with from the past and there's some future issues that really, um, through my involvement movement, we've sort of identified as some key questions to deal with. Um, the first thing I think, and people shouldn't forget that in this context, is those who've been detained offshore. We still have about 60 to 70, I think about 60 people in PNG, who were the people who were um, detained at Manus and later were moved to Port Moresby. Uh, they don't 
most of them do not have uh, any pathway to settlement. Uh, they have been... Um, they, there was, the Australian government offered, gave PNG a small amount, really quite a small amount of money to start with, and PNG is now pointing out really that, that funding has run out, and, and that this is Australia's responsibility, the Australian government's responsibility, and, and in fact, those refugees should be brought to Australia and, and should be settled in short order, to be honest, from their point of view, from their point of view, their, their rights. We have um, some 10,000 or so refugees who are here. Uh, they lack work rights in many cases. I mean, that's a, that's going to lead to people possibly having engaged in criminal activity just to survive. Uh, this is the, the so-called fast-track system, which in fact is incredibly slow. And there's a lot of campaigning developing people should look out for actions in Canberra and all around the country to support the 10,000 or so people who have been here basically 10 years or more and don't yet have any kind of pathway to uh, permanent visas and settlement. And the other thing is basically the whole regime that people are unable to come here and claim asylum as we supposedly signed up for under the Refugee Convention. That's a basic issue. And there's two key sort of areas that's operating. One is the refugees who are in Indonesia and are basically banned from seeking settlement in Australia. And secondly, of course, the many, many people in Afghanistan and Pakistan, often those who are involved with the attempt by the Australian state to sort of impose its regime in Afghanistan, um, they, you know, in a sense, there is a sort of immediate responsibility there on the part of the Australian government because certainly the Taliban is a repressive regime as well. Uh, they need emergency visas. They need emergency refugee settlement. So those are sort of, I guess, some of those sort of angles of attack to try to move the story in a very different direction and to win that majority to change power on this question. Yeah, um, thanks, Jonathan. It's also Chloe here on the line. Hi, uh, Chloe. Hey. Uh, so I just wanted to talk a bit about the, some of the racism. Um, and the established media has had a terrible response um, on in response to the court decision on indefinite Detention with all these races coming out of the woodworks. Um, of the 100 people who were released, or over 100 people were released from detention, three have been sent back to detention. And we're seeing like the media blow this way out of proportion. We've seen Dutton and co whipping up racism with their scare, scare campaign, saying people are afraid to go out and eat at restaurants. Um, but we know that many of these people who were deemed um, with bad character um, by the immigration minister were sent to detention for years and years indefinitely for non, mostly non-violent crimes. And one of the people sent back to detention um, had a bit of weed in their pocket or something. Another was thrown back because they broke their parole, um, you know, something about their parole. Um, but, you know, there are hundreds of people in Australia that break parole and we don't see this amount of... Uh, racism. We don't see this amount of outcry. People just get on with their lives, and they they have to go through the court system, and you know have to deal with it. But my, well, you know, we wanted to just um, ask you: How should socialists respond to the scapegoating of refugees and migrants, whom the racism of the Liberal Party is attempting to paint all as criminals? Yeah. Well, the first thing certainly is to identify. Um the big majority of the establishment media mm. as part of the same... Um, well, it is a, they have their story that they're telling and we should have ours. 
because because it's a very different story. It's a, this difference is between trying to identify another, uh, another, uh, someone who is to be seen as a problem, and to and you know especially try to we're seeing in this case to criminalise those people and so on. Whereas in fact, uh, I guess socialists that basically operate from a question of understanding people's human needs and understanding the need for solidarity. Uh, among those who presently are powerless, but actually the vast majority of society, uh, workers, the poor, uh, women, uh, all the different movements of those who are seeking to have their rights and certainly uh, not treating people who just happen to not have citizenship rights in this country as somehow alien, different and not to, and to be considered an, as an other to be kept aside. So... Some extent along the lines I was saying before, one of the basic questions is to tell that different story, and then the second thing is to find the ways to come into action alongside others. Uh, and, it's, and the refugee rights movement does actually offer an opportunity for that to work with refugees and to work with those who are who are sympathetic to people's human rights to actually create a movement which which has political, which actually becomes an effective political force in this country and will help actually change the story of what about refugees and about um, race in this country. And obviously one of the biggest issues there, and I should come back and I want to acknowledge the, the country I'm speaking from and their elders past and present, but frankly, of course, this is, is as I mentioned before, is tied up with white Australia and the whole question of the, the seizing of our country away from our First Nations. All right, thanks for that, Jonathan. Um, we'll finish up over there. I think that's a good kind of note to kind of end on. But, yeah, thank you, Arrange, Jonathan, for being on our program. And, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't I don't have much more to add uh, other that, but I think it's been a very important kind of discussion. So, so happy. Thank you. So happy I could talk with you and, and uh, your listeners. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, we we're just speaking to Jonathan Strauss, um, long-time refugee rights campaigner about... You know the political party's kind of response to uh, the um, to the high court decision that ruled that indefinite tension was unlawful. I'm just going to go play a quick announcement. Uh, you're listening to Green Left Radio. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hand. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And so I'm just going through the Green Left kind of activist calendar. Now, the first thing I just want to kind of announce is there's going to be, and it's going to have a live broadcast through FreeCR, but tomorrow there'll be the motorcade for Palestine where people will be encouraged to meet 8.30 a.m. at Faulkner Cemetery in your vehicles and basically turn up the volume to build a war of sounds through the streets of Burn. 
Burn City to amplify um, the voice, uh, the voices for a free Palestine. Departing Faulkner Cemetery at 9 a.m., dispersing at 11 a.m. So that's going to be, you'll be able to tune in to hear that um, live, a live broadcast of that at 8:55 a.m. on your radio. But oh, but if you have a car, recommend you get down to Faulkner Cemetery with some Palestine posters and some flags. Then there'll be a rally, um, um, stop the demolition of the 44 high-rise um, flats, and they'll be at 1 p.m. at the State Library in, in Swanson Street in the city. Then there'll be a book launch, Knocking the Top Off, A People's History of Alcohol in Australia, and they'll be at 4pm at the Curtain on Ligon Street. Then on Sunday, the um, 10th of November, I mean 10th of December, uh, Stop Israel's War on Gaza and the Occupation, Free Palestine, and they'll be happening at 12 noon at the State Library. Um, actually, this was the thing I wanted to announce, I was wanting to announce after Jonathan Strauss's interview, actually, but this was, um, there's going to be a, a public forum on the High Court's decision on indefinite detention and the racist backlash. That's going to be happening at 6.30pm at the Kathleen Syme Library and Community Centre, 251 Faraday Street in Carlton. Then on Wednesday, yeah, yeah, one day, December 11th. And then on Wednesday, December the 13th, there's going to be a rally, Dang on Action, Free Palestine, 6pm at Harmony Square, 225 Long South Street in Downland. It's just a four-minute walk from the Downland Station, and it's organised by residents of South East Melbourne. Um, then there's just a few other events I just want to highlight quickly. Um, there's going to be a film screening, um, The Land Speaks Arabic, at 5.30pm, with a meal from 6pm uh, entry by donation, and this will be at the Resistance Centre, level 5407 Swanson Street, opposite RMIT. Um, and then there'll be the Socialist Alliance... Um, and there'll be, oh, there'll be another protest, um, Saturday, December the 16th at 11am, office of ALP MP Kate Quartz, um, and they'll be at 36 Burgundy Street in Heidelberg. And then on, and then on Saturday, December the 16th, there'll be 12 to 4pm, there'll be, uh, a, a social science end of year barbecue. Mark the end of year struggles and prepare for the next, um, for the next. They'll be at Robertson Reserve in Coburg. Alright, well, I've, Finish up the um, Green Left Activist calendar there, and I'll just go quickly play a quick announcement, and we'll get on to our next interview. You're listening to Green Left Radio. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. The people of Gaza, who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege, are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. And you have, we have on the show this morning Amanda, who is a disability support worker, an activist from Socialist Alliance based in the southeast of Melbourne and one of the organisers of an upcoming Palestine rally in Danong. Good morning, Amanda. Good 
Good morning, Chloe. And welcome to the show. Can we just start by, you know, talking about the fact that it's really good to hear that residents in the southeast have decided to call a rally. We know that there's been local rallies being called around Melbourne, particularly in the north. Um, And, you know, there's a very high refugee population, um, I'm guessing, that, you know, does support Palestine, does want to show their solidarity. Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like there's a... A lot of passion in the South, but not a, uh, not a great deal of action. So we decided to take it upon ourselves and arrange something. And the um, reception we've received from the people has been really positive. So I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's great. And we know that there have been uh, prayer vigils um, in the Southeast. Um, no, no rallies yet, but there is also a, a prayer vigil happening next week, um, and there was a pro-Palestine motion passed in Greater Dandenong. So, you know, there has been, um, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, joy around around that motion. That's uh, right. So there has been a little bit of action, but um, it's been very concentrated around the Dandenong area, and the turnout hasn't been too much, but that doesn't mean that that's not the sentiment in the heart of people. So I think that there just needs to be something... Um, like a bit more widespread and, and more inclusive of, of the whole community. And people will come. People are very passionate about the situation in Palestine. I mean, you only have to go to the city on Sunday to see that. Yeah. And um, Amanda, would you be able to tell listeners some of the demands of, of the rally and, you know, just, um, you know, what's going to be happening? What can we expect at this rally next Wednesday? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our demands are... Oh, a permanent and... ceasefire, lifting of the siege, end the occupation, and to stop the genocide. Yeah, great, great. And um, I just also wanted to, you know, ask, you know, just to encourage people to come along and show their support, even if they're not from the southeast. Why are local actions for Palestine like this, you know, so important? So there's a pretty big movement going on around the world. Um, I think everyone was. Uh, pretty shocked by what um, happened following the events of October 7th. And I mean, like, you know, what's been going on in Palestine and Israel has been happening for the past 75 years. So it's not exactly new information, but the difference is that, you know, people these days can pretty much see in real time what is happening on their smartphones. Like, if you have any social media platform, I'm sure it's been flooded with the most awful images. And so we were all quite... um, shocked really so that's why i think the response has been as big as it has been um and it's also it's not just here in australia it's global people around the world are organizing and moving to to support palestine and um i think that it is this momentum and it is this collective action that is having an effect so you know it's like very slowly but surely the narrative on, you know, the Western media has been changing. Um, and then even Western leaders have, have turned around, who initially supported Israel, have turned around and started saying, we need to demand a, a ceasefire now too. So it is working. Um, and also following this recent humanitarian pause, if you want to call it that, um, Israel has promised that they're going to continue their bombing and they've delivered on that promise. They've started up again. So it's crucial now more than ever to continue this momentum. Um, and that's why we need to expand into the southeast and, and everywhere. The, so the more people that 
you know, are active and involved, the bigger the impact will be, the, the stronger we have to be to kind of demand the Australian government to also call for a ceasefire and not a pause, a permanent ceasefire. That's yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Amanda. And just for listeners, what are the details of the rally? And where can so, they find out more information as well? Absolutely. Um, so the rally is being held in Harmony Square in Dandenong Central, which is literally across from the library. So if you can find the library, you're there. It's a five-minute walk from Dandenong train station. There's quite a bit of public transport access in that area and loads of parking um, because I know... Public transport isn't great in the southeast. So Wednesday the 13th, next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Show up. Bring all your friends. Bring everyone you know. And can I use this opportunity to put out a call out for volunteers as well? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. So if anyone in our audience is in the southeast or is willing to come down to the southeast, we need volunteers for flyering. We need volunteers um, for organizing. We need volunteers for marshals. Anything you can do, even if it seems teeny tiny, would be super helpful. Okay, thank yeah, you. and the way they can get in touch with us, um, you know, you can you can call zero four eight four nine three eight nine four nine, or you know, you can reach out to Free Palestine Melbourne, who've also endorsed this rally coming up in Dandenong Wednesday, December thirteenth at six pm at Harmony Square. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Amanda. Was there anything else you'd like to let l- listeners know before we wrap up? We, we also have a social media presence now, so we're getting a bit organised. So if you search up Free Palestine Dandenong Action in both Instagram and Facebook, we'll show up and you can communicate with us that way too. Wonderful. I encourage listeners to support the South East um, in their demands for permanent ceasefire um, in Palestine. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Amanda, and best of luck with the rally. We'll, we'll be there. Thank you. You were just listening to Amanda, who's an activist with Socialist Alliance, a resident of the southeast in Melbourne, and organising the upcoming Palestine rally in Dandenong. We'll just go to a quick break, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for more Green Left Radio on 3CR. 3CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM, and we're going to we're going to be we're going to be playing uh, a quick song. Um, so I was going to I was going to get um, Rob over here to kind of introduce our song for the next three minutes. Here we go. Um, uh, once again, as with the previous song from Matt Ward's monthly column in Green Left, looking for 2023's best protest music. Um, he's got ten albums there. Yeah, music is a good way to protest, isn't it? Uh, so we're going to have uh, a song, uh, Free Radicals, Checkpoint, Domp, I don't know if I've said that right, Domp, Dompus, and Hajiz featuring Equality, Jitzvinger, Prince Alfara, and Lindy Yeni. The artist is uh, from uh, Rise Up, a BDS Mixtape Volume 2 by Amplify Palestine BDX Mixtape. 
Um, just to give a bit of background to this, Jewish people occupied Australian Defence Minister Richard Marles' office on November 1 to protest against his government's appalling support for Israel's war on Gaza. And in the following weeks, more and more Jews took part in huge rallies worldwide as Israel killed thousands of Palestinian children in support, inspired by the 1985 Sun City album from artists boycotting apartheid South Africa. Its sales support Palestinian cultural initiatives. On the second track, Palestinian MC Prince Al-Farah raps in the alleyways of streets, barriers prevent the dreams of residents and farmers. My kafir is my address, and your barriers will never be able to erase that. Here it is now on Green Left Radio on 3CR. What did you stop me for? Oh, you want to see my back. My Checkpoint from here to Palestine, soldiers on the front lines by government design. Arm tanks and a gun in my face, and I'm just trying to make it home to put some food on my plate. Huh. Human rights or human hate, a different country, same police state. Cape Town, East Town, Dutch Town, the cops are all around, be quiet, don't make a sound. The sound of the police, the sound of the beast, roll blocks in the streets from the west to the east. We go to war for a peace, who me? I'm necessary when I beast over peace. The mathematical slash, being radical, speaking anti colonial, solemnly at the podium. Check the points, check the score, check mace when I check the board. The police want the knights, bishops, brooks, kings, queens, check for sure. Okay, why? Set funger, dice in arm. I bring a thriller with the rip, my mic is sad. Skip the funger with the lyric, my cycle boundless. Worldwide slim, skip with the gazilam. Free radical, the beat of the little transcend. World borders artificial. People will say, oh, take them for flavor. Make all fight the bomb, let's follow. Make us style, feel a bit that's it. I'm scrapped. Lucas is in the body, nasty. I'll skip a look. Colonize me now. More papita for fathers, vote bastards. It's what pigments oppressed in the name of resources and minerals making focus woke since the VOC and four die. Because work like Yakov Waters are scored, recognize. You want And you dare us. 
You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR, and you were just listening to Free Radicals, Checkpoint, Dompast, Hudges, featuring equal, Equality, Jizvinga, uh, Prince Alfara, and Lindy Yeni. The artist is from Rise, the Rise Up BDS mixtape volume two by Amplify Palestine BDS mixtape. And we're now coming to the end of the program. We want to thank listeners for tuning into the show and just you know reminding people who like the work that Green Left does. If you want to see us continue, it's as little as five dollars a month. Um, sorry, yeah, five dollars a month to support Green Left. Um, you can go to greenleft.org.au/support um, to sign up for a subscription. Right, indeed. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth, Chloe. <laughs> Sorry. So I uh, won't say that because I don't like to repeat what other people said. <laughs> so uh, as we're near the end, and this is the first Green Left Radio that I have ever done, I have to say what an immense pleasure it has been. Um, the whole way in which the program runs, the balance between activism and intellectual um, um, explanation and stuff is just absolutely superb um, and I suppose uh, stay tuned for the next show which is uh, more left stuff it's uh, the uh, the great left after breakfast program and so I think uh, 3CR also uh, always has been a supporter of Palestine has always stood with Palestine uh, so you really should support 3CR and become a subscriber uh, ever since I came to 3CR 13 years ago, the Palestinian uh, element has always been very, very prominent in the work that the station does. Um, thank you very much to our guests, um, Amanda and Jonathan Strauss. Um, thank you very much for listening, um, and we'll be here again uh every Friday at uh, 7 a.m. So this is uh, Rob Zocchi signing off, but this time uh, along with my comrades at Socialist Alliance and Green Left. And it was really great having Rob on the show today with Jacob and I. If uh, Listeners might recognise Rob's... Oh, sorry, you're, you had a, a maybe a different name, but Rob is, is actually a seasoned 3CR presenter and used to have his own show on 3CR. So, you know, it's really good to have Rob back in, in the 3CR studios. Yeah, I've got to say, yes, I, I was spoken word for 13 years um, and it was poetry, uh, but there was a lot of left politics in my poetry program. So um, I've just shifted sideways here. Uh, so thank you for all of that. Yeah. Thanks, Rob, and thanks, Jacob. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio, brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit. If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call one 634 Arise, you workers from the slumbers. Arise, you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and at last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions. Serve all masses. Arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back. Reds underneath your beds and that crap.